Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Week 9 edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. It's the first show in the month of November. We're past halfway in the 2017 Fantasy Football Campaign coming off of Halloween. David Oliveras, I hope you had a fine holiday. I did indeed. Went to the old carnival at the church, did it that route. So the kids had fun, and I have lots of candy that I'm not going to give to them, and I'm I'm going to be uh, putting on a little bit of weight this week. So looking good, man. Well, you know, a, a big part of being a good parent is to inspect the candy and make sure that it is safe <laughs> for the children to consume. And the only appropriate way to inspect the candy is to eat two out of every three pieces. <laughs> that's right. That's my rule of thumb anyway. And you know what? My kids have yet to get poisoned, so we're doing good. Yeah, it's, it's, you're protecting them. It's all about safety. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Quite the wild Halloween in the National Football League as well. Usually the trade deadline comes and goes. Maybe you'll see a deal or two. Lesser names, not so much of the blockbuster variety that's usually reserved for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the like. That was not the case in 2017. It was madness. It was mayhem, beginning with the San Francisco 49ers sending a second-round pick to the New England Patriots for Jimmy G, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Doesn't sound like he will be starting for the 49ers anytime soon. Week 12 was the date that I saw. What do you think this means for the 49ers offense in the long term, David? Um, well, it, it can't be bad. Uh, you know, C.J. Beathard hasn't looked good at all. I mean, and nor, nor did Brian Hoyer. I know a lot of people were high on him coming into the season, but, you know, it's one of those situations where it, nothing could hurt. Like, you can't do anything worse than what's going on right now. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I actually kind of feel bad for Jimmy for this trade, you know, because he was set for a payday, and now he's going to have to go out and prove it. And that stinks, you know. He was going to get just paid off by some team after doing, what, a four-game stint at the beginning of last season and having that on tape, and that was it. But now he got the raw end of the deal. He got shipped out to, you know, I'm sure San Francisco is beautiful, but – He's got to really show up and do something with his life out there. So we're going to see what time it is for Jimmy Garoppolo. I have a little bit of faith in him. It certainly couldn't be any worse than it is anyway. I think the Patriots might have been able to get a little bit better return had they been willing to deal Garoppolo a bit sooner. 
I can understand why they waited. And in getting, they got a second that's essentially a first because you got to figure that pick's going to be 33, 34, right at the top of the second round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of, I more or less like to trade for both teams. I didn't really have a problem with it from either side. The Patriots wasted no time finding a new backup quarterback to take in the 49ers leftovers and, now Brian Hoyer will be backing up Tom Brady in the Bay Area, which is good work. I mean, in New England, good work if you can get it. Plus, I believe if he made a nice ten million bucks in guaranteed money for that six, seven weeks he was with San Francisco. So, you know, it's good to be Brian Hoyer. He could make ten million dollars this year, get a Super Bowl ring, and then call it a career and not even have to play well. So. Yeah, he's really done well. You know, he hasn't had to put down roots in any city, but he's had himself a nice little NFL career. And over in New England, holding the clipboard, that's just fine. I'll take the 10 mil and I'll hang out at his clipboard all you want. Just tell me where to be. The Philadelphia Eagles, not a team that we necessarily expected to be buyers at the trade line, made an aggressive move acquiring Miami Dolphins tailback Jay Ajayi for a fourth round draft pick what do you make of the eagles backfield moving forward i don't i don't love it from a fantasy perspective just because it officially looks a little bit crowded nobody's gone per se um i do think that ajayi is going to get the lion's share of things moving forward and it really shows that philly's serious about making a run at it this year they've got the best team they've had in years carson wentz is playing lights out and uh really the only hole uh well the major hole, I should say, on that offense was the, the running game. It just wasn't getting things done there. And probably why Carson was having such a big year because they're needing to throw it to move the ball. So I love the move from a real football standpoint. I'm withholding judgment from a fantasy standpoint. You know, I think you look at it, I think they looked at that defensive line and the kind of depth and success they're having there, rotating guys in and out. They said, hey, why can't we do this with our running backs? Now you've got LeGarrette yeah. Blunt, you've got JHI, both those guys can do the early down work and or kill the clock in the second half if you have a lead. I believe per Pro Football Focus, they are first and third since the beginning of the 2016 season in missed tackles forced. I think Ajay was first and Blunt was third. You've still got Wendell Smallwood to handle, you know, some of the passing down duties. And for a fourth round, I mean, I know, We've heard about Ajay's knees. There are rumblings out of Miami that he and Adam Gase weren't getting along. But for a fourth-round pick is a bag of Funyuns. I mean, it's nothing. And I'd love to trade for Philadelphia. It's, like you said, I think it shows that they believe they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year, and I think it's a legitimate belief given the way they're playing. The most surprising trade at least fantasy-relevant trade of Tuesday to me was the Carolina Panthers sending Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills for, I believe it was a third-round pick. I understand Buffalo's perspective in that their wide receivers are garbage. <laughs> they needed whatever they could get. <laughs> their five and 2 football team haven't been to the playoffs this century. So I can understand why they would want to be aggressive in trying to bolster what is obviously a glaring weakness for the team. Don't really – I mean, I know Calvin Benjamin hasn't been the player that the Panthers thought he would be. But, you know, this is a team that's still very much in the mix in the NFC South, and that's a big blow to their offense, don't you think? 
Yeah, I don't quite get it. I mean, it's not like they got a huge return uh, for Benjamin. I mean, they're only a game back behind the Saints right now. So I, I really – I don't fully understand it, you know. I, I don't – I like Funches. I'm a Michigan guy. So, you know, I'm a Funches fan for sure. I'm rooting for him to be successful. But um, I like him a lot more as my number two receiver on that team than my number one. So, you know, there's a reason these people have these jobs in, in the NFL. And let's hope they know what they're doing here. We're going to see – I heard something about them focusing more on the run game. Well, we've seen McCaffrey try to go up the middle, and that ain't working. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with it, but it's done. So we're going to see what happens this week. Yeah, I don't know about focusing on the run. I think McCaffrey's averaging like two and a half a carry, and Jonathan Stewart's not right. I think he's only averaging three yards a carry. So, I mean, McCaffrey's getting it done catching the ball out of the backfield. But like you mm-hmm. said, I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, Dave Gettleman's got a fairly good track record as a general manager. So, I guess benefit of the doubt. And then Buffalo, I mean, essentially he was making a deal with the guy he used to work with. So, and the Bills. I would reckon we'll see Kelvin Benjamin on the field for them post-haste probably. I mean, he might have a fairly significant role Thursday night when they take on the Jets because they got nothing. Well, they got Jordan Matthews back now, which is a little bit. Zay Jones has been a nightmare. And yeah. Andre Holmes, Deontay Thompson. I mean, when when some people were talking to Deontay Thompson as a waiver ad, that's when you know that the Buffalo receiving court <laughs> has more or less hit rock bottom. <laughs> oh yeah I'd love to be able to tell folks That we have clarity on the Ezekiel Elliott Situation and we do have a measure Of clarity on the Ezekiel Elliott situation It looks like he's going to be Suspended beginning Sunday They have however filed a last Ditch request for an Injunction appeal of an injunction of an appeal I don't know there's so much legal terminology Involved in the last month of Ezekiel Elliott I've lost track anyway they appealed to a higher court. They should. They asked for an expedited ruling by Friday so that, in theory, were they to succeed, Elliot could play Sunday. I don't expect them to, but I have been wrong before, working under the assumption that they do not succeed. Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden, Rod Smith, who's the guy fantasy owners want in that backfield? Well, I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of people banging the drum for uh, Darren McFadden, you know, saying things like, well, Alvin Morris plays special teams, and, you know, that's why DMC has been inactive the entire season, and Morris has been active as, and running as the sort of spelling back, you know, change of pace back there. Um, we, we know what both backs are capable of. We know that DMC is like a million years old and, and like this dried out corn husk out there playing football. If I'm betting on one, you know, it's gotta be Alfred Morris. So we've seen him do great things when he was with the Redskins. And, um, you know, that's the best thing that could happen here is for, for Alfred to just come out there and just seize the job and just kind of run away with it, you know, at Kansas city this week, or excuse me, in, uh, in Dallas versus Kansas city this week. So, I hope that's what happens. But if it doesn't, man, we got a mess here. It looks like Cincinnati South, you know, with the better offense, really. You just got three people. Rod Smith will probably get worked in. There's no telling. I, um, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here. Last week, I dealt off all of the Dallas backs and Devontae Parker for uh, Devontae Freeman, and I got Stephon Diggs as well. So I'm very happy with that so far, even though – Diggs and, and Freeman haven't done much, you know, the last couple of weeks. 
you know, with injury and whatnot, I'm just happy to be done with it. I don't want to touch that Dallas backfield right now, and I, I really couldn't tell you which way to go, but if I had to bet on one, it would be Alfred Morris. I'm inclined to agree. My only reservation, like you said, if Alfred Morris doesn't come out and seize his job and he struggles against Kansas City, plus Morris has never been much of a third down back, whereas Darren McFadden, at least when last we saw Darren McFadden, could catch the ball out of the backfield. He was a guy mm-hmm. who in 2015 rushed for nearly 1,100 yards and averaged, I think, 4.6 yards a carry running behind that same yeah. offensive line in Dallas. I fear it's going to turn into a quagmire. I fear the entire Dallas offense is going to bog down to a significant extent because you're going to see opponents. Dak Prescott is not going to be looking at as many eight- and nine-man fronts now. It's going to be more teams are going to play more straight up or even you know three or four guys in the box drop seven, eight into coverage mm-hmm. and try to trip him up that way. And you know, Jason Witten is still a capable tight end, but he's not getting any younger. Yes, they have Des Bryant, but you look at that receiving core, it's not exactly stacked. And if they have to start beating teams throwing the ball, you know, I think the Dallas Cowboys could be in trouble. And right now they don't have much margin for error because the Eagles just keep piling up wins. Granted, they still have two head-to-head contests with the Eagles, but right now Philly easily looks like the class of that division. And this you almost wonder if the Cowboys would have been better off just having Elliott serve the six games to kick off the season, and they'd already have it back by now, and the whole situation would be behind them. But I get why they didn't. So, anyway. I'm trying to think of big injuries last week. It's been a long week. I'm tired. You know, there was a few here. Let me cover these injuries today. I always pull uh... – Jay's uh, article here off of fantasysharks.com comes out early on in the week. Um, let me just start off by saying this. If you didn't see the image of Zach Miller's left knee injury, do not oh. Google search it. It is horrific. No. And to boot, they took away the dude's touchdown. I mean, that might be the last play of football that guy ever plays. Give him the touchdown, please. Just, just hook a brother up, you know. It was gruesome. It was bad. It leaves a mess behind him. I, I don't think you're touching anything here with Chicago aside from the running backs, really. Um, you know, so you got Deion Sims and Adam Shaheen that step in. If you were in the deepest, most desperate spot, I suppose, maybe take a flyer because they'll, they'll get snaps. But not touching that. Um, staying with tight end, Jordan Reed also, well, he's Jordan Reed, and he's made out of glass, got a hamstring injury, Tried to come back out of the second half, couldn't go, got uh, downgraded to doubtful, and then out. So Vernon Davis steps up. Not a great spot for him this week um, playing against Seattle at Seattle. you got to think after all those points that got put up, uh, Seattle's defense is going to come out just ears pinned back. So um, not really wanting to start him this week, but Vernon Davis would definitely be an add there if if, uh, Jordan Reed's going to miss an extensive amount of time. One that's most concerning to pretty much everybody far as the big injuries go, uh, Chris Hogan went down with a right shoulder injury uh, late in the game this past Sunday here. Uh, took a helmet right on the arm there. Um, MRI came back as positive as can be. No surgery required, but, you know, good thing the Patriots are on by this week. But bad thing is it's an injury and it's the Patriots. You know how they do it. They just list everybody as questionable, even if they got a cold. And so we won't get much out of that camp. So you need to have a backup plan if you're using Chris Hogan in week 10 you're okay for this week. 
I think Danny Amendola really gets the biggest uptick here. Deeper leagues, I'm adding Philip Dorsett just because he's going to get on the field more and get some more snaps should Hogan actually miss time. Situation to monitor. Don't panic just yet um, because, again, no, no surgery required with that one. So uh, that's what Jay's provided with the injury front this week. As far as the waiver wire goes, obviously if the Dallas backs are out there, everyone's going to be scooping them up. Alex Collins is available in more leagues than I would have thought he was. Looked really good last week against the Miami Dolphins. The only mm-hmm. problem there is as soon as you pick Alex Collins up and trust him, it will turn into a Buck Allen game and he'll get six carries, <laughs> fumble the ball. Buck Allen will catch nine passes and you'll want to throw yourself out a window. It's just one of the – it's kind of like the Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon backfield in Minnesota. Anytime you start one of those backs, you're absorbing a certain amount of risk that it's going to wind up being the other guy that week. But you know, six teams on a bye and the injury's piling up. He's certainly worth a look. The Miami running backs – I mean, are you touching either one of those guys? Are you at all? I mean, unless you're in a deep league and or beyond desperate at the wide receiver position, do you have any real interest in Damian Williams or Kenyon Drake? Um, I I actually kind of do in deep PPR leagues. I like Damian Williams. He strikes me as a passing down back. Here's what – I mean, he obviously is a passing down back. But here's what what stands out to me is Ajayi wasn't doing squat there. I mean, I think he had one one decent game this year. So – if Ajayi wasn't getting it done, I don't know why we think anybody else is going to get it done running behind that offensive line. But dink and dunks out of the, the backfield, you know, if, if Damian Williams is on the field more, getting more snaps by default, he may have some value there. So speculative ad, I don't want to count on him, but if I'm on a PPR, he should be owned. Per football outsiders, the Miami Dolphins currently ranked 31st in the NFL in run blocking, which is yeah. okay, Adam Gase. You don't like J.H.I., you don't get along with the guy, you deal him for nothing, and, I mean, your offense wasn't bad enough before. Are the Dolphins going to yeah. score again this year? I, I don't know. Jay Cutler's back, so <laughs> we'll see, man. I don't know. Uh, wide receivers, uh, if Corey Davis was dropped in your league by an impatient owner, I would certainly look at adding him. Looks to be back for the Tennessee Titans this week. The one game he played for Tennessee, full game, back in week one, he had, I think, six targets, caught, I believe, all six of them for like 49 yards. Bad matchup this week, but moving forward, uh, Robbie Anderson had a nice game for the New York Jets this past week, six for a buck of four, I think, and a touchdown in the rain, no less. <clears throat> nice addition, and then you mentioned, obviously, Vernon Davis at the tight end position. If nothing else, with Jordan Reed out, if you're a Rob Gronkowski owner in a shallower league, you don't carry a backup tight end. If you can scoop up Vernon Davis, even in a bad matchup, he's going to get you a better score than anything else that's sitting on the waiver wire right now. And then you can talk oh, yeah. him back next week and move on with the Gronk train. So as a Gronkowski owner in a couple leagues, that's what I am hoping to do. Oh, and Josh Gordon was reinstated today, and I don't care. Do not care. Could not care less. No, because I mean, the clock, if he's conditionally reinstated, that means the clock is ticking on the next stupid thing he's going to do, at which point he's going to be, I don't know, shot. Because I think that's the next step in the NFL's discipline at this point is firing squad. <laughs> and while we're on the subject of the Cleveland Browns, there was one other trade that wasn't a trade on Tuesday. The Cleveland Browns had agreed in principle to send a second and third round pick to the Cincinnati Bengals for A.J. McCarron. And then apparently, in their infinite wisdom, the Browns 
failed to call in the trade to the league office by the 4 p.m. deadline because, and I'm not making this up, and this is according to Tony Grossi at ESPN Cleveland, so I'm not fabricating this as some sort of cartoonish lampooning of the incompetence that is the Cleveland Browns. They were celebrating and lost track of time. You can't make this stuff Only, up, man. I mean, <laughs> Wow. Only only in Cleveland can gross negligence save you from blatant stupidity because they were going to spend a second and a third on a quarterback who I don't think is NFL starter caliber to begin with, no offense to A.J. McCarron, who is going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this season anyway, but they screwed up screwing up because Cleveland. <laughs> that's all you can say. That's that's a, exactly what it is. How very Browns of them. It was. You know, they're a three-point underdog this week on their bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I just, oh, my God, watching Browns fans, on between the Jimmy Garoppolo trade and Washington rationalized why the Browns didn't offer, you know, a high second for Jimmy Garoppolo or – more aggressively try to obtain Jimmy Garoppolo before this, which I don't necessarily have a problem with because I don't think Garoppolo is a sure deal and I wouldn't want to give up, say, a high first for him because I don't think he's any more certainty than a Josh Rosen or one of those guys. And he's a free agent at the end of this year. But between Washington rationalize that and rationalize the McCarran, I, I want to feel bad for him. I really, they've got, I don't know, like Stockholm Syndrome, or that they've just been beaten down to an extent that they need to do what I have done. I've been a Browns fan for 30-something-odd years now, dating myself a little bit. You just have to embrace the nothing. You have to give the void a hug and just let it envelop you, and then you don't feel anything anymore. You're just numb. And that numbness brings with it peace. So I can watch all this stuff and just laugh at it. I can't wait. At the end of this year... They're going to blow everything up. I have very little doubt. They're going to fire you, Jackson. They're probably going to fire the front office. They will go somehow find people who are more incompetent. And then they will take the first pick in next year's draft and either not spend it on a quarterback or trade it away, or whichever quarterback they pick will be doomed. So we have that to look forward to in Cleveland. So don't say there's no hope. (laughs) Moving on to the Week 9 slate. Begins Thursday night with a AFC East battle between two teams that are doing better this year than we figured. I'm sure there will be hideous color rush jerseys for everyone to make fun of. Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. The surprisingly effective Josh McCown or the equally surprisingly effective Tyrod Taylor? Um, I would take Taylor here. Um, He's just got a better matchup. You know, Jets are bottom 11 versus opposing quarterbacks. Conversely, Bills are the fourth toughest, you know. Now, that could be a little bit of who they faced and, and what kind of game flow is going on there. But Tyrod's always got the rushing. He, he's not throwing much, but he never has. So, um, do, do you just, you know, I can't say I trust Josh McCown. I can't say those words. And so, um, I do have some trust in Tyrod Taylor if only by, by foot. So give me Tyrod in that one. But um, you can't really miss with either one. I think they're both pretty good options this week. 
Yeah, Justin Kemp's not a terrible six teams on a bye, just as we had this past week, and I started him in one league against Atlanta in a rainstorm. I mean, it wasn't a great stat line, but it wasn't a terrible one either. I mean, you can do a lot worse on a bye week. Calvin Benjamin in his first game for Buffalo or the aforementioned Robbie Anderson? Uh, Robbie Anderson's hot. You know, we don't know what Kelvin's going to look like out there. Um, Got to get acclimated a little bit. So, going with the hot hand, I'd say Robbie Anderson in that one. Yeah, Benjamin may, may not take that long to get acclimated because from what I've seen, he doesn't really run the route he's supposed to anyway. So, how long <laughs> yeah. does it take to yeah, they just say, hey, you're, you're big. We're going to yak it up to you. Just just go get it, would you? Uh, I I kind of hope the Bills make the playoffs this year, just for the sake of I like Buffalo fans. They've got the, that Cleveland mentality, Shore Lake Erie, just like Cleveland. And it's not only has it been forever, but the last time the Bills were in the playoffs, the game ended in, like, the most heart-wrenching – I mean, their hearts were ripped out while they were still beating and shown to them with the Music City Miracles. So people, a lot of people don't realize oh my that was the last time the Bills were in the playoffs. That was. Oh, my gosh. I was like a child when that happened. That's unbelievable. Wow. Uh, I just watched a replay of that. After it dawned on me, I was like, was that the last time? And I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah, Frank Wycheck, the lateral that Bills fans to this day swear up and down was forward. Uh, the refs disagreed, so you're out of luck. The Houston Texans coming off the wildest game of the season. What a game last week in Seattle. Deshaun Watson. Oh, yeah. oh, Deshaun Watson going to win a lot of people leagues this year. At the Indianapolis Colts, who are not good. Is Deshaun Watson the number one quarterback in fantasy football right now? Uh, you know, I got to think he is. Just He's throwing a lot of picks. I'll say that. That's kind of the, the downfall that I'm seeing. But – I mean, he's got a cannon, and he's got wheels. I mean, he's got everything you could ask for. I mean, Alex Smith's got more passing yards. So does Tom Brady and Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. But I, I can't think of, you know, right off the top of my head, someone that I want over him. I mean, even talking about Brady and Wentz and Smith, Watson's the guy right now, and he's on fire. So if you if you picked him up late, I'm seeing a lot of people that went with, like, a Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson late sort of combo and they're just sitting on a gold mine right now. Drew Brees hasn't been great, but he's still got that name value for trades. So I'm flipping Brees, and I'm starting Watson rain or shine every single week until he breaks because, I mean, he is he's just on fire. He's got to be the top dog right now. I sat him in one league this past week because he was in Seattle. I started Cam Newton. I will never sure. do that again. My bad. I won the game anyway, so I'm not, I didn't spend the rest of the evening punching myself in the face. But, yeah, there's no one you can – I can't think of anyone I would start over Sean Watson right now. What I love best about him, he has no conscience whatsoever. Like you said, he's throwing more interceptions than he should. That's something he's going to have to work on. But he'll come out on that next possession and target that same receiver with the same coverage. He forgets those interceptions as soon as he throws, and the way he is attacking down the field. Will Fuller has 13 catches this year. Seven of them are touchdowns. That's mm-hmm. that game was off the chain. That game was it's unsustainable. That that Will Fuller stuff is unsustainable. That is that is an unbelievable clip that he's putting out there right now. And that game was nuts. The over under, I mean, it went like twenty four points over. I mean, it was a ridiculous 
ridiculous shootout from the rip. I mean, they, they threw a bomb to Fuller immediately, and it was like, oh, we've started. The gunshot went off. Let's do this. And it was just a race all the way down to the end. It was great seeing Jimmy Graham get a couple of touchdowns in that one, but probably game of the year so far. I mean, there's been some good ones, but that one was a great one. That game was enough to make you turn red zone off and just watch yeah. that one. And that's oh, yeah. saying something because red zone is one of the single greatest inventions of the last 100 years. So, but I was like, you know, I think I'll just check out Texas Seahawks for a little while because I don't want to miss anything. And the way that game was going, if you blinked, you great defense on that last drive, Texans, by the way. That was <laughs> not sure what that was. Are any Colts startable against the Texans? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I don't, I'm not saying with, with this with the utmost confidence, but, you know, you've got the Colts. I think they're 13-point underdogs on the road in Houston. Um, Jacoby Brissett, I don't know who's going to throw it to. Probably Jack Doyle. I mean, there's no telling really, but – I, it's such a crutch argument to say. I almost hate to say it, but they're going to be down. They're going to be throwing. They're not just going to give up. He's shown that he can run it a little bit. You know, especially in, like, DraftKings, he's dirt cheap. Brissett's someone I feel comfortable starting. If you're if you're digging deep this week, quarterback's on a bye, and there he is sitting there on the waiver wire, I'd plug him in and play him. You know, the Houston Texans, it stinks because their offense is clicking now, but their defense is all beat to hell and, and on injured reserve and – all kinds of banged up. It sucks because last year they were one quarterback away from being awesome, and now they're kind of one defense away from being awesome. So, um, you know, I, I do like Reset in this matchup. I don't, uh, I don't love it, but again, so many teams on the bye, there are a lot worse options out there. I know it's not a cheap stack, but I have a hard time every time I go to set a FanDuel lineup. Now I have a hard time not starting off by stacking Hawkins and Watson and just okay, there's a fat stat line. Because, but yeah, I get. I actually mentioned Brissett as I got a fantasy sleepers article will be out Friday, Bleachers Report, and he was one of the quarterbacks I mentioned. Like you said, garbage time will most likely be large yeah. and in charge. Couldn't really mention Doyle because I don't think you can call a guy who just had 12 catches for a buck 28 and what two scores a sleeper. <laughs> but no, but watch Doyle will completely vanish this week. Everyone will start him and he'll fall off the face of the earth. Marlon Mack, too. If I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I would, he played more snaps than Frank Gore last week. I think it was 39 to 36. I would start tilting that more and more in the direction of the youngster. At this point, you're not – the season's over. You're not – the Colts obviously aren't going anywhere. Frank Gore, this could be the end of the line for him. From what I read, he's understandably a little frustrated. This was not necessarily – what he thought he was buying into when he joined the Indianapolis Colts. There was some mention of rumors that the Eagles had inquired about him before settling on Jay Ajay. So why not see what you have in the kid for you know if he's capable of being that every down back for you or whether that's something that you're going to have to address in the 2018 NFL draft. And the Colts could have a high enough pick in that draft. You know, you could be talking, say, Quan Barkley to come in, which would be mm-hmm. – I'd like to see him play behind a better offensive line, personally, but does Saquon Barkley really yeah. need a good offensive line? Yeah, oh, is he not going to be the first pick in rookie drafts next year? I mean, can we already call that? Yeah, I don't know how you could pick anybody over him. I mean, barring injury, God forbid, knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, with the, with the Colts, 
I, I just mm, – they got to build up that offensive line. That's really just it. I mean, these guys are just getting plowed in the backfield. They can't do anything. So, I'm glad to see Mac out there. He's got some shiftiness. He's, he's got a lot of bouncing outside, though, when you go back and watch the film on him, which, you know, goes back to his college days, of course, so maybe a little more discipline, but maybe not because there might not be a hole there. So, um, I, But I agree completely. Let's start feeding the kid and, and see what he can do because you're 2-6. and six, after this week, you're going to be two and seven when you come out of Houston. You might have put up some fantasy points, but you're not going anywhere, Colts. So you might as well see what you got. No, and I don't expect we're going to see Andrew Luck this year. And as an aside, since I mentioned Saquon Barkley this past Saturday, Ohio State, Penn State, wild football game. JT Barrett is the man. Go luck, guys. I had you know, to sacrifice. I had to. I had to do. I had to do. Oh gosh, yeah. Let's not talk about Michigan. Um, Family photos. So I give up my Saturday, I get my Sunday, and that's the way it is. Hey, though, at least Meat Chicken rolled out the kid at quarterback because O'Corn, obviously, the only answer to a question that O'Corn is the question of which Michigan quarterback sucks the most, he's the answer <laughs> to that question. And you're yeah, spaced out, so you might you, Throw the freshman out and, I guess, see what you have in him because it's a shame to see a defense that good kind of wasted because the offense is just completely offensive, like Cleveland's. Oh, yeah. Or no, oh, more, yeah. The, the NFL parallel might be more Miami because it's, it's bad. Cincinnati Bengals at the resurgent Jacksonville Jaguars, who I'm calling my shot now. Kirk Cousins in the offseason is going to sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars in part because Florida has no state income tax and he will make more money there, and in part because with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan now out of the running, you start looking around at the fits, the teams that have, A, the salary cap space, and that, B, Kirk Cousins might be interested in, you throw a healthy Allen Robinson back into that mix, that defense, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette-powered mm-hmm. ground game, and give them a competent quarterback, the Jacksonville Jaguars could be the real deal. And they very well might win the AFC South this year, and they don't even have a quarterback. What do you think of A.J. Green this week against what so far this year has been one of the best secondaries in the NFL? Well, yeah, they're actually the worst matchup for opposing wide receivers. Now, I know it's A.J. Green, and if you own them, you're starting them. That's all there is to it. But I'm not touching them in DFS. Steer clear. Don't even think about paying up for A.J. Green. Um, these corners are really good. I mean, and like you mentioned, this uh, Jacksonville defense is very, very legit. So, again, it's one of those things you invested in them, so you probably don't have a better option, especially with all the all the buys. And it's kind of kind of getting too cute, so to speak, benching A.J. Green. But I'd temper expectations this week. He's not going to have a great game. He might because he's a monster, but it, mathematically it shouldn't happen. Well, it, you know, it's not like you can scheme him open in Jacksonville because they got Bouye on one side, Jalen Ramsey on the other, so they got talented cover corners on both. And that pass rush is on quarterbacks in just a heartbeat. And they just added Marcel Darius to the mix because, you know, they needed defensive line help so bad that they picked up Darius <laughs> from above. I mean, you look – once Darius gets up to speed, you're talking about Dante Fowler and Calais Campbell, who's having a defensive player of the year caliber season in his first year with the Jaguars at the ends. And then you've got Malik Jackson and Darius at the tackle spots. That might be the best front four in the NFL. This is the first time when they got 10 sacks against the Colts a couple weeks ago. 
marked the first time since, I believe, 1982 that an NFL team has had two games in the same season with 10-plus sacks. That is an impressive statistic. And they're, the secondary is loaded. they got Barry Church, a veteran safety, Sean Gibson, underrated ball hawk. We mentioned the corners. You've got Miles Jack and Telvin Smith at the linebacker position. It's just a defense that does not have a weakness that I see. And it's keeping them in ball game. I mean, they're staying in games, and they're not throwing the ball worth a lick. They're just handing it to Leonard Fournette however many times he can handle it. Running the ball and playing. They're playing old-school Tom Coughlin smash-mouth football and doing it well. They look like the best team in the AFC South right now. Their four wins, I think, are by an average of 27 points. So when they win, Unreal. they win. What do you make of Joe Mixon against the Jaguars this week? I mean, he had that long reception last week, which kind of salvaged. Would have been a much nicer day if he could have finished it and scored. But still, I mean, is Mixon starting to trend up a little bit? This isn't a great matchup, although the Jaguars are much easier to run on than throw on. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a lot of a lot of buys this week. Cleveland, New England, Pittsburgh, Chicago, you know, Chargers, Minnesota, all on buy this week. So, you know, if he's owned, he's getting started, that's for sure. The matchup isn't horrible, as you mentioned. It, they're easier to run on than to throw on, for sure. But I just – the Bengals just keep getting in their way. I'm so sick of this – this ceremonial Jeremy Hill gets a start. Why couldn't he be traded yesterday? Oh, oh, wait, because he's not worth anything. So I don't know. I, I was like literally like praying that he would get traded just to free Joe Mixon, you know, from a football perspective and get him out there. But uh, we weren't so lucky. So yeah, start him. Ten points, twelve points, maybe he scores. That's kind of the range that I'm that I'm looking for, and that's kind of what we've come to expect for Joe Mixon for this year. You know, I got him in Dynasty. I love him in Dynasty, but I just don't love him this year. It kind of is what it is with Cincinnati right now. Well, at least they'll probably have a new head coach next year. Who I don't know. I can't say that with any certainty because I would have figured the Bengals would have fired Marvin Lewis three years ago. And oh, yet my gosh. And he's still yeah. there. Tampa Bay, by the floundering Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that a lot of people thought that playoff potential this year so far is not showing a lick of it against a team that no one expected to be in the playoff hunt who is leading their division in the New Orleans Saints a couple of big name wide receivers who were first or second round picks in most fantasy drafts this year Mike Evans or Mike Thomas who you got well you know I like uh, Thomas's matchup um, you know on paper a good bit better um, I, I think that New Orleans numbers versus opposing wide receivers have been been a little bit skewed they faced you know the crippled Packers team in week six and the joke that is the Bears passing game in week seven so that's going to make your stats look a lot better and push you down the old charts there um so I think they're actually a better matchup traditionally they are anyway New Orleans is for wide receivers than they seem on paper at the moment but really Winston's got to play in this game I think he's practicing right now but not only does he got to play, he's got to play well. This projects to be a shootout. You know, Vegas has it at a 50-point over-under with Tampa, you know, being a seven-point underdog right now, and that's kind of holding firm and it hasn't moved. So, I mean, I, I really like Thomas here, but, you know, I could kind of see them getting away from the pass a little bit like they've been doing. I mean, Mark Ingram has been on fire uh, the last three games. I mean, 359 all-purpose yards uh, with four touchdowns all on the ground over that span. So, you know, I – I really want to say Mike Thomas here, and I was actually about to write about him in DFS for tonight, but um, 
I could see this one kind of getting away from Tampa, especially if they can't keep up in New Orleans. So um, I'm torn, man. I really am. It's kind of a flip of the coin. It really depends on this. If Winston plays, give me Evans. If not, then I'll take Thomas. I really think Tampa needs to come out in that game and really try to establish Doug Martin, try to control tempo a little bit, keep their defense yeah. off the field, keep New Orleans' offense off the field. Now, whether or not they'll be able to succeed in doing that remains to be seen. But like you said, if Tampa loses this game, a season that looked to be so promising could be over before they hit the halfway mark. And they just they don't look good. I mean, I don't know what else. And you've got dissension no. in the locker room, players griping about playing time. It's just not – it hasn't been a good look for the Buccaneers this year. A team that has looked good. Another surprising – the entire NFC – the top of the NFC right now, just anyone who says that they had those division leaders picked at the beginning of the year is either truly psychic or a damn liar. And it's probably that <laughs> second one. The Los yeah. Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, racking up those Coach of the Year votes, and he ain't even old enough to drive yet against the team that has not looked good at all. Uh, the poor New York Giants, Ben McAdoo, dead coach walking, playing out the string. Uh, Jared Goff going up against a Giants defense that was, I believe, the second worst matchup for quarterbacks last year. Seventh or eighth best this year. Won't have Janoris Jenkins now this week because apparently he decided the bye week is as long as he says it is. Uh, what do you make of golf this week? Is he a decent streamer start? Nice bye week replacement if you need one? Yeah, I think he is. Um, you know, for everything that you mentioned, especially with Jenkins out, um, I didn't even see what he did, but I think it was, you know, team rules or something like that. I have to read more on that. But, yeah, I, I definitely like him as a streamer start. I'm not expecting humongous numbers out of him. The same with Cooper Cup, you know. His his kind of high watermark is like that four to five receptions, maybe like 50 to 75 yards, and, and hopefully he scores. That's kind of where he's at. Um, you know, almost like a almost like a poor man's Chris Hogan. You know, you just want him to score, get some yards, few receptions. Let's call it a ball game, right? So, yeah, I mean, you can. There's worse spots to arch this week, that's for sure. I would say, um, but yeah, I don't expect him to go over 20. Jared Goff, that is, like 20 points would be fantastic for him. I think. I think dynasty owners, because they did not have to invest a great deal in Cooper Cuff in their rookie draft this year, I think they're going to be very pleased with the return they get as we move into the second, third year of his career. I think he's going to be a player. I thought he was going to be a player going into his rookie year. You don't, I don't care what college you went to. You don't put up the kind of numbers he did unless you can play. The Giants might actually have something resembling a competent wide receiver back on the field this week for the first time in a while. They're wide receivers. I read this stat today and had to double-check it because I almost didn't believe it. Combined, every Giants wide receiver on the team put together over the last two games, seven catches for 67 yards. Oh, That's awesome. I think Chris Thompson has that in the last game by himself. <laughs> Sterling Shepard or the aforementioned Cooper Cup this week? Uh, well, you know, I kind of like Shepard a little bit there. He He's the only one there, right? He's the only one standing. So um, he's not bad. Uh, there's actually probably a chance that Shepard's not even owned. So if you need to go scoop him up or if you did this morning, congrats on that. He's going to be 
I don't I don't think he's gonna be the top target. You know, Evan Ingram will be the top target there, but he's gonna be the top wide receiver there, and the ball's got to go somewhere. No, Lord knows that the Giants can't run the ball. So, um, yeah, I like him this week, and and maybe going forward, who knows, right? They gotta they gotta feel the team for the rest of the year. Unfortunately for them, and uh, and he looks like their best bet at receiver by a wide margin. He's a good ball player, and so we're gonna see what he can do now that he's got the show all to himself. Yeah, Evan Ingram has become like the most bizarre steal at tight end of 2017 because he really shouldn't have been, but he's putting up good numbers right now because he's the only pass catcher they have. So the people that drafted him, you know, 18th, 20th at the tight end position, especially given what a dumpster fire the tight end position is this year, you either have you either have Travis Kelce, Rob Gronkowski, or Zach Ertz, and you're happy, or you have one of the other guys and you're not the people who were able to get Ingram, it's worked out really well for him. I just wonder if Shepard's return might steal some of that thunder. So the only good thing happening from a fantasy perspective from the Giants will stop. So it's been that kind of year in New York. Uh, Jack Rabbit, from my understanding, Janoris Jenkins, the team, the players, you know, bye week, go be with your family, relax a little bit. We're supposed to report back at a certain time. He just didn't. <laughs> Once again, been that kind of year in New York. Yeah, I'm guessing wow. it'll just be one week. I think I'd be surprised if it's longer than a game, but I don't, given how bad things are going right now, maybe McAdoo figures he's got, because it certainly would seem to indicate a lack of respect for the coaching staff, probably because Jenkins knows as well as we do that the coaching staff is probably going to change. Atlanta oh, yeah. Falcons, Carolina Panthers, the Falcons got a win last week in New York, but not an especially pretty one. They've lost three of their last four. Panthers are a hot and cold running football team. Cam Newton's mad at everybody, especially us dirty media types, because we're so unfair to him. The 2016 NFL MVP who's not playing like one, Matt Ryan, or the 2015 NFL MVP, Cam Newton? I'm going to say, um, well, before yesterday, I would have said Cam, just because it, it, it kind of feels like one of those games where Cam was just terrible, and now he's going to just hang 30 on him. You know, that could easily happen here at Carolina. But um, Ryan's got all his weapons intact. He's, he's got the backs that can catch out of the backfield. You know, he's um, got Hooper coming on at tight end. He's getting a lot of targets, a lot of receptions of late. All his receivers are intact. So it's all there for Ryan to not suck this week, but he might – suck and both these guys they really both suck right now but i i'm gonna throw cam in a few dfs just kind of contrarian because you know atlanta secondary can be beaten i don't know who's gonna beat them who's gonna catch it but you know not not many people are gonna be on cam after last week and especially losing um kelvin benjamin so kind of a sneaky sneaky play contrarian way but of the two i'm taking ryan this might not be the week to do it. The Panthers are still a very stout defensive team, especially in the front seven. But it would be nice if the Atlanta Falcons would remember that Devonta Freeman is good. I think it would help. Yeah, them. come on, guys. Yeah. I just, I, and it may be, it may be, this may be a little bit of the, the Texans-Seahawks effect coming out in me, like where I'm looking for this, something that's not supposed to happen happening. I mean, I started the Seattle defense in a lot of, a lot of lineups this week. Thinking, oh, rookie rookie passer, throwing picks, going up to Seattle, this will be fine. You know, they're going to score on them, but it's not going to be bad. But, oh, my goodness, I was wrong. And I think the whole world was wrong. Vegas was wrong. Everybody was wrong. So, 
I'm kind of trying to sniff these things out, I think, a little bit here because this year has been just just out of the ordinary. I don't know. I don't know what you feel, Gary, but I'm you know looking at the predictions and how things are supposed to go. Nothing's really quite happening how it's supposed to happen this year. It's just been a completely different type of year in my book, anyway. You know what? I mean, it well it depends on your scoring. Like if you're penalized heavily for allowing a lot of yards or allowing a lot of points, that would have killed you with Seattle. But if you're not, they got what four or five sacks, three interceptions. Earl Thomas had a pick six. Mm-hmm. If your scoring is big play weighted, it, they still would have been an okay play, even though they gave up eight thousand yards. But yeah, if you get like minus six for over x amount of yards and minus eight for over forty points, you're looking at the score like, well, this wasn't supposed to happen at all. Welcome to team defenses, though. Sometimes it just does not work out like you had planned at all. Speaking of not working out like they had planned, the Denver Broncos starting the immortal Brock Osweiler. Brock mania is back in the Mile High City. I'm sure fans are pumped. My better half is a Broncos fan, I can tell you. She is not pumped. She is unpumped. She is non-pumped. Against the soaring Philadelphia Eagles in Philly, no less, because that's this what Denver needed right now is just an absolutely murderous stretch of their schedule. Alshon Jeffrey or Demarius Thomas? This is going to sound terrible, but I, oh, Demarius Thomas. I'm going to say Demarius Thomas just with a much chagrin because um, they're going to be down. And, and, you know, Denver's secondary is pretty darn good at football. Jeffrey hasn't been very good. I mean, he, he got a little lucky last week. You know, he kind of broke a tackle and, and took it to the house. But he's not, he's not been great this year, you know. So if I'm picking out of those two, which I'm not really trying to do this week, but if I had to pick one, I would go with Demarius Thomas. I like him as an athlete. He's got some stone hands upon occasion. But as bad as Trevor Simeon was playing <laughs> – I like to dream and think that Brock Osweiler can't be worse. I can't even say these words, man. This is a bad situation at quarterback. They got to do something. But it's – I can't believe Brock is back in Denver and about to start a football game this year. What a, this is like the twilight zone. What a weird world we're in right now. I, I don't see how it can be worse than uh, Simeon against Kansas City. Was <laughs> awful doesn't begin to describe the interceptions that he threw. And what does oh, this God. say about Paxton Lynch? And where Paxton Lynch right. has at this point in his career that they're rolling out Osweiler. I, you know what? I think John Elway's in the building somewhere usually. He can come down. He'll probably be doing – he'll do just as good as these guys, if not a little bit better, right? The arm is still there somewhere, maybe. I mean, he's only been out of the game for, what, 20-something years? You know it's bad when the 49ers cut Brian Hoyer, and I'm thinking to myself, you know Denver should kick the tires on <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. What are you going to do, man? I was going to ask about LeGarrette Blunt versus C.J. Anderson, but obviously the Ajay signing clouds that a lot. I think I would, if at all possible, especially given how stout Denver's run defense is, I think I'm avoiding the Philadelphia backfield. How do you feel about Carson Wentz this week going up against the no-fly zone? Um, you know, as always, I always temper expectations going against Denver. Um, but he's, he's just been so darn good this year. He really has. So I don't think he's going to have, like, an amazing game, but he's going to be quite useful, especially with this many people on the bye. And, and if you got Wentz, by this point you're plugging him in and just starting him. And, and you might get, like, a 17 out of him this week or something like that, but it's still going to be more than serviceable with this many teams out this week. 
Baltimore Ravens coming off a just complete and total dismantling of the Miami Dolphins versus the Tennessee Titans coming back off their bye, uh, getting Corey Davis back. Hopefully Marcus Mariota has a little bit of his trademark mobility back, and they're a little closer to 100% as they try to keep pace in the AFC South. Last week we saw Alex Collins have the big game against Miami. Is it going to be Collins or Buck Allen this week? Well, I mean, I definitely don't trust either. And, you know, last week um, it was kind of like an almost even timeshare as far as, you know, number of snaps goes. I think it was 31 to 32. Uh, But Collins looks fierce out there. He's running with some violence, you know. And uh, he looks like someone who wants this job. Um, Allen doesn't look bad by any means. And I think Allen uh, blew a touchdown, didn't he? He had a had goal line carry, fumbled it, and it was recovered by Campanero or one of those random receivers that they trot out there every week. And so um, he could have had a better clip for himself. I think they're both useful. Um, but, yeah, not trusting either one. If I had to pick one, it'd be Collins, which means he's going to do nothing. It's going to be a Buck Allen game like you mentioned earlier. I wonder if we could finally see Collins maybe get a goal line touch. I know he had some fumbling problems earlier in the year. Like you mentioned, Allen had a fumble at the goal line this past week, although honestly that was as much on Joe Flacco as it was Allen. It was a botched exchange. But with him banging out six yards to carry, and we saw it several times this past week, Collins would get him down close, and then they pulled. I mean, they gave him no – I don't think he had a carry inside the 10-yard line. They would bring Javorius out. And so long as if that continues to be the case, it's just going to kill Collins' upside. Flip side of the confusing backfield in Baltimore is the equally confusing backfield in Tennessee. Derrick Henry or DeMarco Murray? You know, I don't like either of them in this matchup. Uh, Baltimore's defense is playing pretty good of late. I mean, shutting out Miami is not really anything to hang your hat on, but they did it. It still counts, right? So um, I always give Murray the nod because he catches the ball out of the backfield. And, um, you know, that has some value if you got to get someone in space, especially if you're not uh, getting great run blocking here. So, um, you know, the, the snap count's pretty close over the past two contests, 81 to 70 in favor of Murray. So that's another uh, sort of nod in his direction. But, um, you know, again, the bye week. So, you know, if you're desperate, you could probably start either one. But I – I kind of have them both as busts in this one. I don't like the Tennessee run game in this contest, and I'm really sketchy about it going forward. If you can sell the Murray-Henry package, if you own that whole thing, I'd probably go ahead and just, just bail on it right now. I'm kind of tired of it, and it's it's getting down to crunch time. We've got to start winning. So it, uh, it's something to move off of, I think, at this point. Murray's another – I mean, the entire Titans offense had a pulled hamstring going into their bye week, so maybe the week <laughs> off – Helped him to heal up a little bit. But, yeah, it's, there will be a few leagues where I'm starting to Marco Murray just out of necessity, and I'm not enthusiastic about any of them, nor am I enthusiastic about this game here. Is the 11 fans that are going to make the drive to Santa Clara to watch the San Francisco 49ers take on the Drew Stanton-led Arizona Cardinals. Drew Stanton against C.J. Beathard. This is going to be a Titanic QB struggle for the ages. First team to 13 wins. Now, I will say both both of these team defenses probably pretty good starts this week. Adrian Peterson or Carlos Hyde? Well, I think I would start Peterson. I'm I'm going with the old war horse for this week. Um, I actually wrote about him earlier this week. 
um, as, a, as a trade target for those who got to win right now. The matchup is fantastic. Um, you know, San Francisco's averaging something like 30-some-odd points to opposing running backs every week. Now, that's the whole clan of running backs on the team, not one individual. But Peterson should get the lion's share of the work here. It's going to be a disgusting game. Um, I do prefer the Arizona defense against old CJ there from San Francisco. But um, I do like Peterson in this game. I don't know about going forward, but I think, you know, this game, the matchup, it all adds up to me. If he can just be a shell of his former self and bang in a couple of touchdowns here, could have a big, big, big week. Yeah, I'll be starting him everywhere I have him. I mean, you're probably looking at, I would think, 20 carries easily. I think even if they get behind, he'll get 20 carries. And I don't know how far behind they could get San Francisco's offense right now. And San Francisco's <laughs> run defense San Francisco's run defense is better than it was last year, if only because it would be impossible to be worse than the San Francisco run defense was last year. It's still terrible. It's just not as – rather than giving up – I think last year they gave up like 165 yards a game. This year they're only giving up like a buck 40. So, progress. Yeah. Moving up. Jimmy, Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo is like, oh, God, what happened? <laughs> And, oh, God, what happened is also what fantasy owners Larry Fitzgerald and Pierre Garçon are saying, given the respective quarterbacks throwing them the ball. If you got to start one, who's it going to be? I cannot start anybody catching passes from C.J. Bethard. I can't do it. And and Fitz has been pretty good this year. I You should have sold, you should have sold Fitz a couple of weeks ago, honestly. I mean, he's ancient. Now he doesn't have Palmer anymore certainly not looking good, but he's the more talented of the two. He's got, I mean, I think I can say that he's got the better quarterback. Maybe. I don't know. I know CJ's only been around for a couple of weeks here, but he looks bad. He looks really bad out there. I can't, I can't good conscience start any receiver for the 49ers right now. Unless, I mean, Hey, again, bye week. I get it. If you got to do it, start Garcon, but I pick fix if I have a choice here. When the 49ers, in the third round took beat hard who I know that's not how his name's pronounced. I just enjoy it. (laughs) I was like, you just spent a third round pick on an Iowa quarterback. Okay. The only caveat I would add about Fitzgerald is if you're a Larry Fitzgerald owner and you want to be really, really depressed, go look up the numbers that Larry Fitzgerald put up when Drew Stanton was a quarterback for the Cardinals a couple of years ago, because he essentially forgot that Larry Fitzgerald was on the team. So as someone who bought a lot of shares of Larry Fitzgerald, because once again this summer he was undervalued because it seems like that's an annual thing, I have been drinking heavily ever since Carson Palmer went down, and I intend to continue to do so. Nothing wrong with that. The Washington Redskins at the Seattle Seahawks. Redskins need a win desperately and aren't apt to get it in the Pacific Northwest. Well, you make a Chris Thompson going up against that stout Seattle defense. Well, I like Chris Thompson a lot, not in this matchup um, particularly, but, you know, they're not going to move the ground, the ball on the ground, that's for sure, with um, that hodgepodge they have on the early down work. But Thompson is their most dynamic playmaker right now. There's no doubt about that. And so they've got to find ways to get him out in space. You know Seattle's going to be keying in on him. But if it's a PPR league, he's still going to get his. I mean, he's probably going to have, you know, five or six catches, hopefully more. And, you know, Seattle did give up a, a receiving touchdown to Lamar Miller this past week in that ridiculous game, which is going to be a different kind of animal. I think that, that Seattle defense comes out just ears pinned back and 
you know, ready to get back down to business a little bit here. As you mentioned, they got some sacks and some turnovers and whatnot in the past game, but they gave up a lot of points. And, you know, that's a prideful unit over there in Seattle. So um, Thompson is about the only Redskin I feel comfortable starting this week, and I don't love it. But if you own him, he's been too good to not start. I mean, he's had a couple of stinkers, but he's been electric at times. And you never know. You might catch lightning in a bottle here, but you're really just hoping for a few catches and a score. We saw Paul Richardson have a huge game for the Seattle Seahawks last week. Tyler Lockett was quietly pretty good. I think both of them outpointed Doug Baldwin for the game, actually. Baldwin is probably going to see a lot of Josh Norman this week. If you got to pick one of the non-Baldwin Seattle receivers, which one do you have? Well, it stinks because, you know, Richardson's been, been sneaky good all year. You know, he doesn't get the love – that Baldwin gets, of course, but he's getting tons of snaps. He's definitely starting out there. And uh, the thing is, is he just had a monster game. I don't see him doing two big games back to back. I like him for the volume. Um, you know, I do, I do like, um, excuse me. I completely drew a blank. What's the other guy's name? I completely lost it. We're just there. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Tyler Lockett. Sorry, why did I draw a total blank there? I do like Lockett because they scheme for him. You know, they'll give him some jet sweeps, and they'll try to get, you know, sneaky ways to get him the ball and make sure he's getting some kind of touches. And he's got that dynamic ability to really get going and do some big things with just a handful of touches. But for volume, for safety, I like Richardson a lot more. Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs, we already spoke quite a bit about the Dallas offense, Sands, Ezekiel Elliott. We've seen Alex Smith cool off quite a bit these past few weeks. I think he compl- I think he's only like 14 for 31 against Denver. Granted, it's Denver. Right. Did he pick it up this week against a much more beatable Dallas defense? Uh, yeah, I think he does. Um, I think this is going to be probably our game of the week here, despite no Zeke. Um, you know, both – both have good offenses in the right situations. I know Dallas kind of bogged down, especially Dak Prescott last week. But a lot of that, too, was scheme. I mean, we look how many touches and, and carries that Zeke had last week. So um, the offense is going to have to run through Dak for better or for worse right now. And um, unless, like we said earlier, unless Alfred can get it going here. But um, the Kansas City secondary is pretty beatable, you know, and I think that Dak is going to do a lot more with his feet. You know, like you said, he's going to see a little more of a traditional defense as opposed to a stacked box. And, you know, he may not be the best vision passer out there in the game right now. So I could see him going through a read or two and then just taking off and, and having a decent game here. So um, surprisingly, against the grain a little bit, I know how good Smith has been over the course of the whole year, but I would actually take Dak here. I, I kind of like him in this game here. It's a uh... – It'll be interesting to see who the Chiefs start at cornerback opposite Marcus Peters. It had been Terrence Mitchell most of the season. And this past week, late scratch, a lot of IDP owners were pretty upset. Mitchell was pulled in favor of Kenneth Acker. Acker had an interception against Denver, but he also did not have an especially good game in coverage. So I'll I'll be interested to see if the Chiefs, if that was just a one-game experiment or if they leave Acker in there moving forward. Would assume Dez is going to see quite a bit of Marcus Peters, but honestly, Peters is—he makes a lot of big plays, and that gets him a lot of publicity and a lot of run. But he can be beat. I mean, he's a young cornerback; he's very aggressive. He takes a lot of chances, and you can make him pay for that. So, I agree that should be an excellent contest. These reeling Oakland Raiders coming off a 
just ugly loss this past week. A team that a lot of people thought had Super Bowl aspirations <clears throat> is now in real trouble of just, once again, this has been another team that people thought was certainly a playoff contender that we're halfway through the season and they're hanging on by a thread. Luckily, they're going to visit the Miami Dolphins, so can't win this game. Their problems are even bigger than I thought. Is there any Oakland running back you can trust right now? Because beast mode has been more like least mode. You know, as far as the running backs go, no, I, I can't trust any of them. It, and trust isn't a word I use loosely when it comes to NFL players. Um, but, yeah, you know, DeAndre Washington had a good game last week. So, you know, again, I'm plugging them in in the flex in a few leagues where I just have no other options and the waiver wire is bare bones because I picked him up last week to start in a spot start with uh, Lynch on by, which actually worked out pretty darn good. So, do I trust him? Absolutely not. But um, if I was going to start any of these, it'd be DeAndre Washington right now, but I don't like it. Oh, the Dolphins should have Jay Cutler back. Looks like they might have Devontae Parker back, assuming that's the case. Parker, or are we sticking with Jarvis Landry? Um, well, you know, that's the thing. If Parker's back, how back is he? Like, how, how healthy is he? He's had some time off to heal and so uh, they're both kind of kind of dart throws there, but I think Landry's safer. Parker is more like if you're already projected to be outscored by 20, you know, he might have a chance for a monster game if he catches a few deep balls and Jay just goes out there and just wings it like we hoped they were going to do in preseason. So Parker, if you're desperate, Jarvis, if you just know you need to get like a good 12 points out of that slot. So it kind of depends on your situation there. I will say that I expected Matt Moore to come out this past week and actually play serviceable football enough so to maybe create a bit of a quarterback controversy for the Miami Dolphins. He did not. I was so very, very wrong. I was as wrong. I was uber wrong. I, I did, oh, my goodness gracious, the Dolphins. And then they trade their best offensive weapon this week because I don't. maybe Adam Gase is like, you know what, I don't really like this job. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Monday night, the Detroit Lions coming off, uh, I don't know what kind of loss you would call that to the Pittsburgh Steelers, that put up over 400 passing yards against what was the NFL's number one pass defense going into the game and do not score a touchdown. Go for go for it on fourth down when you're down one from inside the five-yard line rather than kicking it. I mean, it's just, it's just terrible red zone execution. Bug-eyed Jim Caldwell in full effect. I mean, it was just sloppy <laughs> might be a good word for how Detroit played. But they'll have a chance to get right this week at Lambeau Field, which is usually a house of horrors for them. But they're playing the corpse of the Green Bay Packers instead of the actual football team. The Green Bay backfield, you know, they've had a week off. Ty Montgomery's probably closer to 100%. Aaron Jones still a guy there? Yeah, I think he is. Um, I don't like him this week, though. I, I, you know, I kind of pegged as, as kind of a against-the-grain sort of bust this week after seeing what Detroit was able to do bottling up Le'Veon Bell, who's arguably the best running back in football. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, he's still the guy, but I'm I'm tempering expectations for him this week for those who are planning on starting him. 
final question of the week. If you had to choose between Marvin Jones or any of the Green Bay wide receivers, so it could be Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, if you're feeling froggy, who you got? I'm taking Marvin there. I mean, he's getting tons of snaps, tons of targets in that offense. Um, you know, you've got Matt Stafford, who is just vastly superior to Hundley, obviously. I hope that – I really hope for all my Jordy stock and my Devontae Adams stock I got out there that they figured some kind of semblance of an offense, a passing offense, that is, during the bye week, Green Bay. But, yeah, for this week, until I see it, I've got to start Marvin Jones in this game here. And that sounds, that sounds sacrilegious to say. I mean, we're talking about Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams on the other side of the football, but I just don't trust that quarterback. Yeah, I think they're going to – I think they need to take the training wheels off a little bit for Hunley. I mean, that offense, their last game was just so conservative. You're just They're not going to win games that way. No. Feel bad for the Packers because it's another – for as good as the Packers have been for as long as the Packers have been really good in the Aaron Rodgers era, you know, they really don't have a lot to show for it. I mean, comparable to, say, the Tom Brady Patriots. And it's, I mean, obviously this year it was just a rotten break, but it's fair to wonder why the Packers haven't been more successful than they have given how good they've been for as long as they've been. I mean, even the Seahawks managed to make it to two Super Bowls and you could argue have been more successful with their quote-unquote dynasty than what the Packers have been in the Aaron Rodgers era, which is weird to say because you know some people consider Aaron Rodgers to be the best quarterback of this generation. Looking like this season's a lot. I mean, the, the Minnesota Vikings with Case Keenum as their starting quarterback on a bye this week appear to be the clear class of the NFC North, which is, that's not at all strange. Lost Dalvin Cook, no Sam Bradford, no problem. Because the rest of the division I gotta is think worse. So, I don't think they run away with it, though, the Vikings. Um, and, and the Packers, if they can get any semblance of an offense put together, if they were able to get any, any sort of rhythm going during the bye week, they can, come, they can come and make a run at this thing here. I think the NFC North is wide open right now. Um, you know, Minnesota is leading for sure, but they're led by Case Keenum, and there's excitement that Teddy Bridgewater might come back. Think about those words. That's not something you want. That's not championship caliber. So, so I think it could it, – it's anybody's ball game, you know, and I think this week's a big week with Detroit going to Green Bay. We're going to see what they're made out of, and, and that will uh, kind of give us a shape for the direction of the NFC North going forward. You would think the table would have been set for the Lions to be right there in the mix, but just so many self-inflicted errors, whether it's turnovers at the worst time or coaching gaps or digging a hole early and then having to mount a frenetic fourth-quarter comeback, which they were very successful at doing last year, but that's not a strategy. It's not going to work over the long haul. I think it boils down to the Vikings are just kind of – the Vikings are not winning with – they're not racking up style points or anything. But they're coming out each week and they're executing their game plan. You know, they're running the ball halfway decent with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. Keenum's not turning the ball over a lot, which is big. And they're playing defense. And it's, it's like a, I don't know that any team out of that division is really going to make any noise in the playoffs. It, right now it kind of looks to me like the NFC is setting up for a 
showdown between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks at some point for the right to go to the Super Bowl, but there's still a lot of football to be played. And, you know, the Eagles are still a bit of an unproven commodity. The Seahawks are what the Seahawks are. We're seeing Seattle. You know, we've seen this movie before with the Seahawks. In September, everyone says, oh, my goodness, look at the Seahawks. What's wrong with the Seahawks? La, 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 And then as we move into November, you look at the NFC West. They're right there at the top, and they'll peel off four or five wins in a row. And if they're able, Philly needs to hold on to that home field advantage because you do not want to have to go to Seattle in January. No, you don't. That will do it for the Week 9 preview of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. As always, sir, I thank you for taking the time to join me. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Be sure to check out David's column at Fantasy Sharks, my IDP stuff. The Week 9 start bench went up this week. Hopefully I'll be right on, you know, a solid 27% of them, which, given that I'm a Browns fan, would be pretty successful. You know, for me. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.